Welcome to Optimal Self, the art of becoming the best version of you. Join us as we talk with extraordinary people who are on the journey to living to their optimal self. We dive deep into their minds to learn what they do on a daily basis to create optimal results. They share their tools and insights so you can implement them into your own life to become the best version of you. Here's your host, Jeremy Herriter. All right, everybody, welcome back to Optimal Self Conversations, where we get to talk to absolutely incredible people who, through adversity, grit, and perseverance, are forging the path to being the best version of themselves, and they join us to give you the tools to do the same thing. I am honored today. In our conversation today, we get to have the great Stephen Barth, who is a professor of hospitality law and leadership, founder of hospitalitylawyer.com. And I want to read to you because when they send they send over the bio, I just want you guys to hear this. He says, his fun and fast-paced presentations provide practical information and solutions to enhance your personal and professional life. That's why we are here. I'm super excited, Stephen. Thank you for joining us today. How are you doing? Doing great, Jeremy. Better now that I've joined your show. Thank you very much for having me. Been looking forward to this. Yeah, me too. Me too. We'll let the listener know right now is we're getting the chance to hear from you as you're in. Tell us where you're at again. Medellin, Colombia. Yeah. Medellin, Colombia. Yeah. I learned my Spanish in Buenos Aires, so I say Medellin, Colombia, but most everybody else says Medellin. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful, beautiful. So, I just want to jump right into it because we, you and I, a little bit of the pre-show, you said a statement or a term that I find really, really, (laughs) I feel like it's a lack in our world today. And you said emotional intelligence. So let's dig deeper and then let's pull on that thread a little bit. And what do you mean by emotional intelligence and how can the listener today benefit from it? Yeah, you know, it's such a great question. And look, just to give a little background, emotional intelligence has been around for 2000 years. You know, you just got to realize that several religious groups back or philosophical groups back in the day were practicing it. Right. But their primary thought process back then, Jeremy, was that the ego is the enemy. Mm. You know, and if you think about that, right, whenever we typically regret saying something or doing something, it's because our ego pride got in the way. Put another way, one of the things I like people to walk away with is an apology means that you value the relationship more than you do your ego, right? But how many times have all of us been in a situation where we probably felt like we needed to apologize or we knew the apology would help? but we couldn't bring ourselves to do it, right? It's that pride, it's that ego. So fast forward now to about 2000 or so, a couple of professors actually were painting a house and they were having a conversation about why very intelligent people were not always successful in businesses or in their careers. And what they finally figured out that's because they lacked this concept called emotional intelligence, right? They had this enormous IQ, but they didn't have the emotional quotient. And the good news for all your listeners is that your IQ kind of peaks about 13 or 14. You know, your ability for your brain to process, you can still learn, but that capacity, it kind of slows down or stops. But your EQ, your emotional quotient, it keeps growing and it can grow with you for the rest of your life. 
So one of the professors came out with a book called Emotional Intelligence, and that's how that phrase got coined for today, right? And the process has kind of grown. So long answer to a short question, but there are four primary components, self-awareness being the first one, self-regulation being the second, being innovative is the third, and then empathy is the fourth. So those are the primary qualities of people that have evolve into a greater emotional intelligence. Just to kind of give you an example, if you want, one of the things I like to talk about in my talks is we've all driven down the freeway, right? And especially yes. in yes. California, you know, <laughs> I'm telling no about the flood. Yeah. So you're driving down the freeway and somebody cuts you off. What's the first reaction most people have? No sign language, please. Right. <laughs> yeah. This is a G-rated show. So you have no sign language, please. We flip them off. We get angry. We track them yeah. down. We got And so the question is this, and this is the most important question, I think, for your listeners, if they don't walk away with anything else, is if you don't react to that, what happened? Hmm. And the answer is nothing. You go on with your peace. You go on with your productivity and nothing interfered with that. And the second piece of that, Jeremy, that's so important is your listeners need to ask themselves. Can anybody make me mad? Can anybody make me frustrated? Can anything make me frustrated? The answer is absolutely not unless you let them. So you see the power equation there. And we were talking pre-show about the, the Taylor's Taylor Morgan's podcast that I just found fascinating because it's all about owning where you are, what you are, what you're doing, and all the things you like. Well, this is all about owning emotional intelligence is all about owning your emotional power and not giving it away. And it's Man. really fascinating. And, you know, Jeremy, here's the other thing. It's one of the few things you and I have a lot of experiences, right? You're a baby compared to me. So I've got but, but here's the thing. This is one of the few things I've ever found that can literally change people's destiny. Yeah. It's amazing. You mentioned resilience, perseverance, grit. Of course, that's all about emotional intelligence. It's never about how far you fall that matters. It's always about how high you bounce, right? Mm -hmm. Life is never about what happens in our life. Life is always about how we handle what happens in our life. Right. That, that's emotional intelligence. Mm, so good. And you touched on four, and I want I want the listener to hear it again. Self-awareness, self-regulate innovative and empathy, but let's pull on self-awareness for a second, because I, I'm a hundred percent with you, as you know, at Optimal Self and everything and our listener and the people who are, who follow along, they understand, right? We we've talked about this a lot is the moment you take responsibility for everything in your life, everything, That's right. no longer your parents, no longer your everything, your bank account, where you yeah. live, the car yeah. you drive, the relationship you're in, yeah. all of it. The moment you take responsibility, you yeah. unlock your human potential. You unlock your own potential to have anything in your life. That's right. Because the moment you take responsibility, you now have freed up and unlocked your full potential. That little thread is self-awareness because I have to be aware of what I'm holding on to or what's holding me back, which most of the time is me. Right. That's right. So, yeah. so give us a little more. Let's dig a little deeper on self-awareness and how do we address it and where does that go? Yeah, well, the foundation of the self-awareness from an emotional intelligence perspective, I mean, that might be a 
cog in the optimal self equation, right? right. So it's not the end all, it's the beginning, right? For some. Okay. Yeah. So it's about what are my triggers and how do I typically react to that? So for instance, one of my triggers is when people smoke or vape around me. And I spent like 20 years saying, calling people out going, dude, that's just rude. You know, da, 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 da. and I, I, you know, I'm trying to change the world one smoker at a time. And I thought I finally had to, and I was getting upset and I was getting frustrated. And I finally had to look myself in the mirror and go, dude, you are not making progress here. All you're doing is creating challenges for yourself. So I finally started a, a movement called Tobacco Free in 33, right? To try to educate people about the dangers of smoking for themselves and others or their pets or their children. That to me is, you know, is going to, but I hope that's an example that you walk away with understanding more about self-awareness. So I gave you the if anybody on this podcast is listening and they have trouble on the freeway or driving and they get angry, that's a trigger. You are not going to teach people how to drive on I-5 north and south of L.A. You know, I've got a friend of mine that lives in Laguna Niguel, and he always wants a royalty whenever I bring him up, you know, when people pay him in a talk. But he's a perfect example. He's been driving the L.A. freeway for 30, almost 30 years now. And his wife calls me once a year and goes, you have to talk to my husband. And I call him, I go, dude, are you still teaching people how to drive? He goes, well, somebody has to. I said, okay. I said, how long have you been doing this? He said, about 30 years. I said, okay, how's that working out for you? And he just, he doesn't get the fact that he's not making any progress. I said, if you look, brother, if you want to change the world, join the highway patrol, yelling and screaming at people, cutting them off. You're going to get shot or you're going to go to jail, right? And so that's self-awareness. It's also about, you know, smoking is another example. When do you want to stop hurting yourself, mm. right? That's the question you have to ask yourself. And look, I get it. And Jeremy, you know this from all the work you've done. Not everybody's ready to ask that question of themselves. But that's the leap of self-awareness. How do I react to these things that I don't like? When somebody calls me a name, do I engage or do I disengage and not let my ego get involved and realize this is not a big deal, right? Mm. That is. And then what we try to do with emotional intelligence is transition that script in our mind from reacting to being proactive. Mm. So an example of reacting is getting pissed off on the freeway. Sorry if it's not so much G-rating anymore. No, you're fine. You're more than fine. <laughs> it's on the freeway. In, or can I respond with some positive self-talk of, that's just not a big deal. I got my music going. I've got my intention set for what I'm going to accomplish today. I'm going to be creative. I'm not going to let somebody I've never met before, never going to meet again, knock them off my piece. Not me off my piece. I'm just not going to let that happen. And see, that's the power of that foundation. That's the power of confidence in yourself and your path that you're on. That's once you get that optimal self, you know this, it'll be darn difficult for anybody to knock you off that because you found that peace, you found that contentment, and you, you don't want to let that go. 
So I hope those examples are, are give you some, yeah, some self-awareness thoughts. You know, those are mine. Incredible. Incredible. I, ho- I hope people hear what you're actually saying is because we talked about this a little pre-show and you made reference to it, but it's again, it's being in alignment with who I am and who I want to be. Right. We talk about it in Optimal Self, the way that we put it all the time is, is literally that decision happens, right? Or circumstance happens because it's going to happen to us all. It's oh, like, sure. right. You wake up in the morning, you swing your ass out of bed and life <laughs> is right there, ready to punch you in That's the right. mouth. <laughs> That's right. And so right. the question we ask here is how would the best version of me, what does that guy do? Or what does that girl yeah. do? What does that human do? Right. Yeah. Because the best version of me is going to be what it is. That is also what you said. I love the proactive because I believe and everybody knows that preparation is the key, right? Intentionality. Yeah. You you even That's made, right. you said it right there. You said, no one's throwing me off of where I'm going to my intention. Right. But the thing is, we have to set that intention. Right. We First. have to know where I'm going. Because go. if I do, then I'm not so reactionary. That yeah. cutoff really doesn't bother me. I'm like, oh, and here's the other thing. I love those examples. But what I want people to also hear is there's so many other things in our life. You said triggers that happen to us literally on a daily basis. I believe, and and please talk more on this, is that if we can start to fix one, and let's just say it's the traffic trigger, let's start with that one. And we're proactive and we're preparing and we're being intentional about how I'm going to be and who I want to be. The best version of me doesn't do that. The best version of me isn't pulling up next to him to give him a piece of my mind. It's just not. It's just wasting really wonderful energy that I have on something. Let me emphasize that. When we react to that stuff, Jeremy, we are Mm -hmm. wasting our emotional energy. Say that in my talks. That is, It's like you've listened to it. That is exactly what we're doing. And energy, as you know, is so valuable. Why would we ever waste it on People that are ignorant or people that we don't know or that we don't care about. Why would we do that? It boggles the mind. But listen, I did it too when I was younger, right? I had to come for that. I was like, oh my gosh, really? You know, you look back and you go, what was I thinking? At least I do, you know? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it was one of those. The ability that you have to articulate it in that way to help people is is really, really great. I want people to get from this is the understanding of that. Listen, intentionality is maybe one of our most prized possessions because when you put your intention, when you know where you want to go, when you know, more importantly, who I want to be. And when I understand that about myself, it's really easy because it's about decisions. Every day we have thousands, what, 60,000 independent thoughts. We have all these things. And you made reference to it. I'd like for you to talk more because I think that people get caught up in when you have your intentionality, circumstance no longer dictates it. But if you don't have your intentionality, then circumstance dictates how you act. Because you react to it. Right. So how do we overcome when that circumstance happens? Whatever it is, right? How can we prepare? How can we overcome that situation where circumstance is no longer dictating how I behave? There you go. That's the key. You know, so first of all, you've got to be intentional. What kind of person do I want to be today? So I have a little card that I hand out in my talks mm-hmm. and it helps people set their intentions. You know, so the question I ask the audience, Jeremy, is how many of you would spend one minute a day 
to being more peaceful and productive in your life. That's a no brainer, right? Everybody. And so I, you know, at the end of the conversation, I give them this card and I say, okay, just read that. It'll take you 30 seconds at night to review it. You go to sleep, you wake up in the morning and you set your intentions about the kind of person you want to be. Okay. So let's go back for just a moment. I want to pick up something and I want to move into this thread, but you asked me about taking one at a time. And I messed that up. I didn't get to that. No, no, but I want good. to get to it. Because here's the thing. I think you're absolutely right. No, start with one. Don't try to eat the whole cake in one setting. And look, if you're going to start with one, and if it's a trigger for you, the driving one is a great one to start with. And the reason is, is because we've learned that if you're out on that freeway and you're getting angry and upset, that's probably your conflict resolution mode. Do you see? Yeah. And so, yeah, if you're getting upset out there, then you're probably getting upset with your children. You're probably getting upset with your significant other, with people in the workplace, because you've got some control, not you, but generally speaking, mm-hmm. whoever right. that person is, they've got some control issues. And people go, well, I'm not a control freak. Well, look, everybody needs to understand that everybody's a little bit of a control freak because control is all about getting your way. Everybody likes to get their way, right? But it's how far will you go to get your way? If you see politicians that will retaliate when people don't do what they want them to do, significant others retaliate. I ask my audience, how many of you have ever given somebody this? I'll say to them, how many of you are control freaks? And everybody, I'm not a control freak. And I'll say, okay, how many of you have ever given your significant other the silent treatment when he, he or she, it's usually a he, right? Because when I said, when, when you didn't get your way. And of course, then all the hands go up. And I said, that's just retaliating because you, you know, they're not doing something that you want them to do. And they're like, huh, we just don't think about it that, but that's mm-hmm. exactly what it is. So if we can think about oh, one other thing about in that regard, I had one. You had one, was it a lady or a guy? It was a lady that came up to me after one of my talks, Jeremy, and I was talking about the silent treatment. And she said, young man, she was a little older. She goes, young man, I want you to know something. I gave my husband the silent treatment for 20 years until I found out that he liked it. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that great? You can't make this stuff up. So so if, if you can stop reacting on the freeway, or the side streets, or wherever it is that you're in, or you stop reacting when somebody doesn't do what you want them to do, or somebody calls you a name, right? Whichever trigger you want to start with, you have to embed a different script. And that's why this card is so important, right? You literally have to get rid of the reactionary viruses in your brain and replace them with healthy habits. That's why you've probably read it. I still think today one of the best books written in the last 70 years is Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. You got it on your shelf right there? Yeah. (laughs) There you go. It's um, all-time favorites. One of my all-time favorites. I, I still ask my students to read it to this day. People say, well, that was written 50 years ago. I said, right. And it, it was, yes, exactly. <laughs> it was important then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like a Bible for me. I got all kinds and of different. I'm the same way. It was yeah. important 50 years ago. It is much more important today. Because as you mentioned, 
Life is a series of decisions. If it's okay with you, I'm going to add to it. It's about habits. If you want to change your life, you have to change your habits. And Covey has demonstrated seven that I think are just, I mean, that opened my eyes. It sounds like it did yours too. I, I was fortunate to go see him speak. And I mean, I was just blown away. And he had so much to say. I couldn't drink it all in. So it, yeah, the decisions are crucial. Habits are crucial. And then to get back directly to your question, which is, how do we go about transitioning from being reactive to proactive is you literally have to practice it every day. You set your intentions and then you take a little bit at a time and you behave differently. But it's all about, Jeremy, as you talked about over and over in your podcast, you've got to first have that foundation. You have to know who you are. That's why the self-awareness is so important, right? Then the self-regulation. I am not going to react to this. My favorite example of that is how does a baby react when they don't get their way? They throw a fit. Well, how many of us know adults that throw a fit when they don't get their way, right? There's no self-regulation there. We all know people that are histrionic, right? They react the same way to losing a dollar bill or getting cut off on the freeway to their significant other being severely injured in a car crash, right? So there's no context. And if you think about it, Jeremy, a baby, to be fair, if they're eight months old and that pacifier falls out of their mouth, that arguably is the worst day of their life, right? But for us, once we get to be adults, after you get to be about 21, 22, for some of us like me, it was closer to 35, we have to realize that it's not all about us. If you walk into a room, Jeremy, and people are whispering, giggling, and laughing, and you walk in and there's dead silence, most people in the world are going to go, they're talking about me. And then, then they spend the rest of their day texting, trying to figure out what that was about. And it knocks them off their peace. It knocks them off their productivity. If they'd stop and just be responsive instead of reactive, they would say something like, you know, what are the odds that out of 8 billion people in the world, these three people have nothing better to do than to talk about me, right? So you put it into context and it goes a long way for enabling us to not react to things. And that's the self-regulation part. I love what you said, because we talk about it a lot as well. The words, you know, the dialogue we use is how you are here is how you are everywhere. When you make that reference to if, if someone cuts you off on the freeway and your immediate reaction is yelling, screaming, the finger, whatever, if, you, if it's that kind of rise that it gets out of you, then the moment somebody cuts you off at home in relation to whatever that is, that's my response, right? That's right. So again, when we talk about how do we fix those triggers or how do we, we don't, I don't know that we actually, I'm a believer in the fact that we don't actually break habits, we create new ones. So that's fair. Yeah. The habit is yeah. there, right? We've done these yeah. things yeah. and circumstance sometimes dictates that we fall back into it, right? That's yes. how people are. And mm -hmm. so it's not about fixing it or it's not about breaking the habit. It's about creating a new one. So now somebody cuts me off. If I'm working on my reaction and understanding that how I respond, the energy that I give, because that means a lot to me. I tell people all the time, when I speak, I would always have people, you know, their phones, right? Everyone has their phone with them. And yeah. I'd like to be like the second or third one in the day sometimes, or even, you know, you're the keynote and you're at the end of the day and you're like, okay, yeah. I'm going to pull out your phone. 
tell me what your, what is the battery say on your phone? You know, it's at like 30%, right? And some of you haven't even been on it, but it's dying yeah. throughout the day, whether you're doing anything with it or not. Well, yeah. guess what? We unplugged at whatever time we walked into that room and our energy level, no matter what. And now the moment uh, you react fiercely because somebody cut you off or even in line getting coffee and somebody's taking too long and I'm like, oh, and yeah. here goes my energy level. Now my ability to respond in moments when they really need me or when I need to be great is dimmed so far down. And that's the part that people miss is that yep. you being the best version of you, people deserve that, right? Mm -hmm. That's the way I look at it. You're going in this with the innovative part and the empathy part. But what I believe is if people are going to come in contact with me and I just got cut off on the freeway and I'm screaming and yelling at this guy, how good am I really going to be yeah. in that moment when I walk into work or when I walk into yeah. that room or when, yeah. whatever that meeting might be? Yeah. So if I can yeah. keep my self-regulate and I can have that self-awareness, then yeah. now my energy stays high. Now, when I'm in that moment, now I can be the best version of me. My brain, all of those things, all of those hormones, all those things that release and put us into a position to actually give what I can give is at such a higher level, it's such a higher yeah. level. Because there's, it's true. Your energy is going to die very quickly if you're constantly responding. And I want you to touch on this because this is the statement we say in Optimal Self. The power of tomorrow is in your intention of tonight. So yeah. for me to have a great day tomorrow, yeah. my gym clothes are out. My hydration cocktail for the morning is in its spot. It's ready to roll. Yeah. Like I don't have to think about those things. I know what my top three priorities are the next day. Mm -hmm. Right. I know where I got to be, what I got to be, the time. I know all that the night before. So nothing, nothing is getting in the way. So when I get up, man, all I got to do is move and stay in alignment. And so you said it in your terms, but can you talk a little bit more about that sheet you held up? The power yeah. is in reading it the night before. I yeah. love that. And I hope yeah. people heard that. Yeah, it's absolutely crucial. You're, you're right on target about that as well. You hit the target a lot, actually. <laughs> I just want to recap one last thing on the, you know, the driving Please. those habits and because you're sure. you're right. I love that you're not getting rid of a habit, but you're creating new ones, better ones. And I call it transitioning. You're transitioning out of that bad habit to a better habit, right? And you're rescripting, you're redesigning that script that's playing in your mind. And so that's important. And one of the things I a little I like little sayings because I think people can hold on to them. It's important to be able to disagree without being disagreeable. Look, I don't agree with what you did. I don't agree with what you said, but you're a human being. You have the right to think differently and to act differently and to behave differently. And quite frankly, my belief is everybody does the very best they can at the time anyway. And so that's a matter of giving people that grace. And to your point, when you said, hey, I've used up some of this energy or my battery's low, you use that analogy and people are, their energy is diluted. Well, that just means that we're not going to be our best self to give the grace that we normally would. And as an athlete, you know, you know, I like to play tennis and I know in the first set, I'm going to use my legs and my shots are going to go. But man, when I get into the second set, and that guy's been running me around the court. My forehand's going to go wide. My backhand's going to go because my energy is depleted. And it's the same thing emotionally. You are so right. If the energy depletes, 
our ability to be our best self, to give grace to others, to not react, it really happens. So yes, back to your direct question. I give this card to literally set your intentions the night before, and it's just got about, oh, I don't know, maybe 20 little sayings. I'll give you a few examples. It said, I will not waste a drop of my emotional energy, right? That sets the foundation. I will be aware of my default reactions that waste that energy. That's my wasting of my energy, but my self-awareness. And then it's, I will script pro-actions. And then we go on and re-script our pro-actions. I will practice being still. I will practice my patience. To your point about decisions, I will make choices. I will accept responsibility for those choices. I will be kind. I will honor others' perceptions and beliefs. So it's it's all about rescripting these bad reactions that we typically have. Because look, at the end of the day, when our body gets sick, we go to the doctor. When our car gets sick, we take it to a mechanic. We fix everything except it's not psychology. It's not psychiatry. It's your emotional responses to things. And we rarely take the time to clean out those viruses and embed new software. That's the concept. Man, that is so true. I, I just love the way that you, that you put that because we will go to the gym and work on our body. We'll go to, you know, even for those people who they'll change their diet so that they'll eat better. Exactly. You know, yeah. there's all these little things, but do we really take the time? And again, it's that reprogramming of our mind because you said it, I, I literally wrote my interpretation of, of what you said was that internal narrative, right? That we all have it. There's internal narrative help oh, yeah, for all of us. Sure. We're, we're saying yeah. things to ourselves. And what's true is that most of the things we're saying to ourselves, we would never say that to somebody we love. We would oh, never say that to somebody yeah. we care about. Yeah. Yeah. But yet here it is running rampant inside of ourselves. And so I think it's important for people to understand is words matter. More oh, yeah. importantly, yeah. the ones that we're saying to ourselves so yeah, yeah. to pick up something like that, like that card that you were sharing with us yeah. and literally just reading it. And again, what we call it in optimal self is I am statements because you want to build your identity. Right. Our Good identity point, yeah. is built by truly what we believe we are. I've said this before and I'll say it to you this way is when I got done playing baseball, I mean, it ended and it ended relatively abruptly like most careers do. And I didn't really think much about it. Right. It was just like, Okay, you know, and I wasn't really doing much, but here's what I'm saying is that literally a couple years later, I'm in the grocery store and there's a gentleman that walks in. I, I recognize his face. I didn't know his name and he knew me. He was like, Jeremy, Jeremy here. Hey, how are you? He came walking over to me and shook his hand. I'm like, Hey, how are you? He's like, Hey, man, we went to high school together or whatever. Oh, you know, wow. I mean, this is years and years and years later. He said his name and I was like, Oh, yeah. Then I remembered I was putting two and two together. I'm like, Oh, yeah, man, how are you? He's like, if you don't mind, would you stay here for a second? My son is in the car. I, I just want to grab him. And I cool. said, yeah, man, sure. I'm just, you know, whatever. So he comes back in. His kid's about, you know, seven or eight years old. And as he's walking up, big smile. And the dad says, hey, this is Jeremy. He's the guy. I was He was the baseball player I was telling you about, <laughs> right? And Stephen, inside, though, I was crushed because I was no longer a baseball player. Oh, I hadn't yeah. been on a field in God knows two years. I didn't got a paycheck from a team yeah. in years. <laughs> yeah. And so 
But I realized in that moment, but I talked to the kid and shook his hand and we talked yeah. and, you know, yeah. gave him a little, it was, it was yeah. wonderful. On the outside was wonderful. The inside yeah. and people, and I want people to identify with this is that the inside was crushed. The outside, I was still smiling, shook his hand and yeah. the kid was wonderful. The gentleman was absolutely great. But when I left there that day, I sat in the car for a minute to go, wait a second, what was happening to me? Why was I feeling that way? And it dawned on me that my identity was a baseball player. I was connected to that. My identity was that. And I'm now a fraud because I'm not a baseball player today. Uh, And so I felt like a fraud. I was, I wanted to stay, but I was, you know, I don't want to hurt the kid or I don't want to, I just kept it. But I came to the realization is baseball is something that I did. It's not who I was. And that's the moment where I need to, it goes back to emotional intelligence. and well, self-awareness, I needed to regulate that feeling. So I feel like it reaches into the innovative part to, for me when I hear you talk about it, because it was now being innovative of who I am and coming to grips with, okay, who do I want to show up as today? Yeah. It doesn't have to be a baby. Yeah. Yes. What does that guy do? How does that guy respond in getting cut off in situations? Because now I can create and I want people to feel that way, right? That we get to create who we are. That's the innovative part, right? Of emotional intelligence. Exactly. And how cool is that? And we get to, I mean, that was such a powerful moment for you, right? And and another takeaway from that story, Jeremy, that I found was that the totally different experiences that you had, that you channeled, but what that kid channeled, which shows the power of empathy and perspective. One of my favorite stories is the Titanic held by any human construct. The Titanic was a tragedy. So many people died. But from the human perspective, it was a tragedy. Mm -hmm. But if you were a lobster in the kitchen on that ship getting ready to be prepared for dinner when that water came rushing in, that had to be the best damn day of your life, right? And so your story just demonstrates the juxtaposition of perspective and why it's so important to realize what's going on in the moment, which you did, and you took care of the kid and you made his day, I have no doubt, which is very cool. I'll get to innovation just one second. I want to pick up on something you said, because I'm going to do a shameless plug for my daughter, if you don't mind, but (laughs) she's a nutritionist and, and the reason I do what I do, right? But she has taught me, and Jeremy, I know you have learned this over time with your work and sports and all the athletics that you've been involved in. You understand how important nutrition is to fuel your body. What a lot of people don't get is how crucial nutrition is to your emotional intelligence. Mm. Because if you're filling your body up with sugar, caffeine, you are going to be on an emotional roller coaster and you're making it much more difficult for yourself to self-regulate, to be innovative. And it worries me when I see these kids today being addicted to Red Bull or vaping or smoking. All of that impacts that body. And all of that that impacts your body is going to, it's going to come out in your emotions one way or the other. I've got a friend of mine that is having trouble managing his insulin. And he is just zooming from depression to euphoria depression, euphoria, and it's killing it, and they just can't get it right. But it's so clear how connected we are to our food, our intake, what we put in our bodies, and our emotional intelligence. So my daughter is Alex Barth. Uh, She's on Instagram, but she has some very cool posts around 
she's not a believer in dieting. She's a believer in eating what you want, but doing it in a smart way. And then I tap into that and say, the double bonanza here is that if you eat in a healthy way, then you will also be way down the track on emotional intelligence. And my favorite saying in this regard is, you know, if we don't take care of our bodies, where are we going to live? You only get the one. You know, and you've learned, I've learned sugar is poison. Tobacco is poison. All that caffeine, that's it's just challenging. And I'm going to put a plug in real quick, not a plug, but I will save your audience's life. Please never mix energy drinks with alcohol. That is a recipe for disaster. I can't tell you how many cases I get involved in where somebody drank 20 or 25 drinks, but three or four of them had Red Bull in them and they didn't feel the effects of the alcohol. They thought they were bulletproof. And then they went out and crossed over and killed somebody. So we're all in this together. Mixing alcohol and energy drinks, that's not putting our best self out there, right? And that's not being kind to others or thinking about the community. I don't know how I got all so far off on that, but back to innovation. Yes. You know, let's decide who we want to be. How cool is that? What is it that we love? What is it we want to be? You know, ultimately, I think we're all looking for whatever we love to do, intersecting with what people will pay us for. I mean, look at you. You know, when you recreated yourself, you're like, you know, I've got some things I want to offer. I want to share these things. Wait, I can get paid for that? Holy cow. You see, that's very cool. And that doesn't mean I know I love what I do. But there are days I wake up where I go, you know what? I don't want to grade those papers today. (laughs) You know what? I don't want to do that webinar today. But it doesn't happen often. But it does for all of us. And we have to be resilient, as you pointed out, and have the grit and persevere. And that's how you sustain. But everybody also has to keep in mind, failure breeds innovation. If you're not out there trying stuff, if you're not failing, you're not doing anything. My favorite Google mantra is fail quickly. You got a cool idea and you put it out there. If it doesn't work, (laughs) before we spend a million dollars on it, let's, let's say, okay, it didn't work. Let's go on to something else. I listen to a lot of successful people and they don't talk about their failures. Man, I failed a lot. I mean, I can, I can tell you, there were times I look back and I go, what were you thinking, dude? <laughs> I got a brother of mine, my oldest brother. He's been successful in the computer software and storage industries, you know. And oh my gosh, the stories he tells about trying to sell curtain rods, a car wash where everybody stole everything he had. I mean, just one thing after another, a cosmetic line. You just can't believe all the stuff he tried. But then he got into, he kept going, he persevered, and woo, Katie barred the door. I think it's important that we all realize that innovation is truly spawned from failure. doesn't mean you can't have the idea, but very few people go from A to Z like that. Sure, it happened. So true, you know, and the part of that innovation, especially when, you know, when we're talking about emotional intelligence and creating, I say it this way. There's a lot of things out there where people are like, oh, I need to find my passion. I need to find myself. And I disagree with that statement completely. You need to create yourself. How does that happen? Just what you said, by stepping into your greatness. And guess what? You might fall. You might skin your knee. You might fall on your face and knock a tooth out. It may happen. But guess what? You got to take that next step. You got to get up. You get to create who you are. 
It's not about finding yourself. It's about creating yourself. And that's through that innovation. It is looking at those things that I love. <laughs> you, people say this all the time, right? They say, how do you find your passion? Well, I don't know. I have no idea how to find your passion. What I know is whatever you are doing, do it the best that it can possibly be done. Yeah. Because when you do that, another door will open. Right. And then that door will take you somewhere else. Because I don't know what that end result is. I do know this. And I, you said it. And I appreciate what you said about failure. Baseball to me is an extreme failure in my life. My goal was to be a 20-year major leaguer and a Hall of Famer. Not even close. Not even a blip on the radar screen. You won't find me anywhere in any of those books. Right? Yeah. As a matter of fact, it just didn't happen. Yeah. Not from lack of effort. Not from lack of trying. Not from lack of putting my best self, you know, getting the most out of what I was. When it goes away, it's devastating. Because when it's everything you dreamed of, and all of a sudden, it's no longer who you are and what you're doing. It is truly devastating. But the moment... The moment you realize, and this happens in other aspects of life, just happens for me that to be it. It happens for other people other ways. But the moment you actually take a step back and realize that is not why I was put on this earth. I know that today, Stephen, in my heart, in my cells, in my soul, I know that I was not put on this earth to be a major leaguer and a Hall of Famer. I wasn't. It was meant to be part of my journey for sure, because right. I had pieces, but then the innovation happens, right? Yeah. Now yeah. I get to recreate that guy. Now I get, and I'm still doing it. You know, I say this and, and I'd like your take on this. The worst prison you can possibly be in is the one you don't know you're in. Good point. And, and the way that is, is this, we look at the road behind us and we think those are the glory years. Oh, that's mm. when I was great. Oh man, Jeremy, the baseball player. Whoa, those glory years. Well, here's what I'm going to tell you and stay with me for a second. I want your take. Those are not my glory years. Like mm -hmm. that guy couldn't do what I do today. He's not good enough. Right. He's not even close. I mean, I always say if I could go back like I am now, then maybe things yeah. were a little bit different because because yeah. of my emotional intelligence, because of my self-awareness, because of, yeah. right. But, but we didn't have that. Right. So that was part of the evolution, right. but people good or bad look behind them and go, oh, well, this happened to me. So that's why I am where I am. Oh, this was my glory year. So now that's all done. And they already giving up on their future self. And that yeah. can happen. I say that to myself every day. The best is yet to come. You're exactly right. And just to continue down that path, I think you would agree that you wouldn't be who you are today without that baseball experience. Absolutely. Right. And so Absolutely. that's how you put it into context. Part of the journey. You know, we're not talking about failure as a bad thing. We're no. talking about failure as some of the most incredible learning experiences we've ever had. But you have to shift your perspective to that. Mm -hmm. Right. You can't look at it, as you pointed out, as that, oh, my best years are behind me. I didn't succeed there. Right. You know, I'm never going to make up this. You got to look at that and go, you know what? That didn't work out but there's something coming ahead and I'm going to be better off because of this experience, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a business venture, whether it's a sporting initiative, whatever it is. I don't know how much time we have left, but real quick, I want to make sure that I get this in because we've been talking about sports a lot and we talk about people in sports identifying with sports and that's who they are. You know, Jeremy thought he was a baseball player, but Jeremy was so much more than a baseball player. I'm always quite taken aback when an athlete wins an event. And granted, it's a big event in their life, but they have a family, they have a spouse, they have children. And they'll say, this is the greatest moment in my life. And I go, really? 
<laughs> yeah, really? I mean, you've really got to stop and think about that and the message you're sending to your significant other and your children. And look, everybody has those moments. But, you know, I hope they'll really stop and reconsider what they just said. But to that point, though, people get so caught up in sports, Jeremy, you know, people and your listeners know people that their entire emotional demeanor rises and falls with the success or failure of a sports team. You know that. And you see that in and of itself separates people with emotional intelligence and people that need to get on the continuum and evolve. If you really want to see it in action, go to a children's sporting event and watch parents get angry at a referee or an umpire at a baseball game. These people have been watching way too much sports. Center. They think everybody is that professional full-time. These umpires are getting paid $9 an hour to babysit 38-year-old kids. And you're going to get mad at them? Oh, my gosh. And then you're demonstrating that behavior to your children. You know, we could go on and on. But I wanted to make sure I got that in because I see it happen all the time. And it destroys relationships. That's the sad part. It literally destroys relationships. People have to rescript. They have to. And that's the energy too, right? Is if we only have a finite amount of energy, right? Why would I be so caught up? I mean, everyone here knows my background and yes, I love sports and I, but I just love to watch people compete. I love, I know what it takes to get there, but by no stretch of imagination, Am I caught? It, people, I, I get that question all the time, Stephen, like, what's your favorite team? And I was like, I, I don't have a favorite team. Yeah. I know what it takes to get there. Yeah. I know what those guys have sacrificed. And then I can do that with anything. Somebody who's in music, somebody who owns a restaurant, somebody who owns, like, I know the sacrifice and I appreciate greatness. That's one thing that I can say is, man, I just like to see it. And that's what I want to give back. And, and we talked about this pre-show is I've had an opportunity to meet people. By me pushing the envelope to be an athlete, by me hitting balls in the backyard when no one was watching yeah. and throwing golf balls off of walls so I could be, make my reaction times faster, it allowed me opportunities to be in different rooms that maybe I wouldn't be in otherwise. Sure. And so us getting together today, you in Columbia, me in California, I hope people get to hear our experiences and get to jump in this room with us, yeah. right? And yeah. they get to leave here with something that they can take with them, something that they can can actually apply to their life. I mean, I don't want people to miss this. That EQ is so important, more than the IQ could ever be. And so what is it for you that drives you to still want to make those talks, to still want to get on those stages, to still want to hand out that little blue card you've been sharing with us. What is it that drives you to want to do that and be there? Well, other than being a big ham, you know, that's one. But I, I started out, my first talk that I did in junior high school was a complete flop. I was so nervous. I was so scared. The teacher, it was a book review. And she literally asked me when I was finished, did you read the book? And I thought, okay. So that kind of drives me. I enjoy sharing. I enjoy sharing with people and making a positive impact, hopefully. And I love seeing light bulbs go off. Like when my light bulbs went off, you know, the kids today go snap. You know, when that snap happens, I'm like, oh, okay, that, you know, 
That's good. You know, I told you earlier, the people that don't get it don't get that they don't get it, right? Well, mm. we all have blind spots. And if I can give some clarity to some people and make the world a better place, if more people can disagree without being disagreeable, save a life on the freeway, right? Encourage somebody to stop poisoning their body with smoke, et cetera. Save one drunk driving accident, then I'm going to keep doing that. You know, we got one other piece, the, the empathy real quick. I'm just going to yeah. get something. No, no, us. don't be. No, we, okay. we got time, man. I, okay. look, I'm, I'm good if you are. So well, I, no, I, don't, I don't want people to miss any part of that. So, yeah, the, the fourth piece is empathy. So, yeah. I'm going to sum it up real quickly. Empathy is looking at a shredded chicken salad from the chicken's perspective. <laughs> okay. That's empathy, right? That's walking in somebody else's shoes. And so what that, the inverse of that, though, Jeremy, is Stop judging other people. If you want to be peaceful in your life, don't judge other people. Judge just yourself. You know, also forgive yourself. And empathy is about forgiveness as well. You know, people that hold grudges and resentment, it's like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. That's the best explanation I've ever heard. And, and they say, well, I won't give somebody the satisfaction of forgiving them. You don't even have to tell them, right? Forgiveness is for you. And that's all part of the empathy. It's part of that. You don't know who they were. You don't know what they were doing. You don't know why they said those things. When somebody's mean to us, they got a lot of bad stuff going on in their life. Just try to recognize that. Give them some grace. That's all part of empathy. But, you know, a lot of empathy going on today would go a long way in our country because we've got a lot of people that are judging other people. What a lot of people don't realize, Jeremy, is all of us, all of us have benefited from the collective, right? People complain, well, so-and-so's getting food stamps or so-and-so's getting this subsidy. Okay, I get it. Everybody needs to work and everybody, if they're capable, right? And I'm a big believer, as we've talked today, We've hammered home self-responsibility. I'm a big believer in it. On the other hand, let's all recognize that every single one of us have benefited from the collective. And let me tell you why I say that. Because I hear people say all the time, I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. My family, we did it all. We did it ourselves. And I'm like, bullshit. And here's the reason why. If you've ever driven on a public street, you have benefited from the collective. If you've ever gone to any type of school, public or private, you have benefited from the collective. If you've had health insurance, auto insurance, you have benefited from the collective. If you've ever bought a home, you have benefited from the collective. If you've flown anywhere in your life, the airport, gone through security, gotten on the plane, you've benefited from the collective. Any of us could not mm -hmm. have done any of those things on our own. We pooled our resources in the form of taxes, and we built roads. We built airports. We did all these cool things. We insure us. You know, and this came home to me last year, Jeremy. I ended up, I had been healthy all my life, but I ended up having two hips replaced and three back surgeries last year during COVID. And I think the insurance bill was a half a million bucks. There's no way I've spent a half a million dollars on insurance in my lifetime, right? But because of the collective, because we're all in this together, I was able to get that treatment. And I had a remarkable team. So if everybody would lighten up a little bit, recognize that we're all in this together. We don't know what shoes or path somebody else has taken. Try not to judge them harshly. That's where the grace comes in. 
that's to your point about not wasting the energy because then our grace falls down. Mm-hmm. So that's the empathy message. Hey, man, I got one more thing I'm dying to talk to you about if you're okay. I'm bring Yes. Are you kidding me? I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> okay. So this is something analogy I use in my talks all the time. And I've been waiting for the right moment to have this conversation with somebody that really understands baseball. It could not be more perfect. This is why we were destined. So I'm going to go back a little bit to what I said about sporting events and people getting crazy about sporting events and the rise and fall of, of uh, winning and losing, right? Okay, so here's what I say to people sometimes. I mean, I say, hey, look, to help them try to move past that, I said, you kind of have to realize that professional sports is a bit of a fantasy. There's no question it's a business. There's no question that it impacts people's lives that are in it. No doubt about it. But at the end of the day, in my, my perspective, it's a bit of a fantasy. And here's the reason why. Baseball. This is where we go. If I'm Jeremy and I'm playing baseball and I played for 12 years and I bat 350 in 12 years at the major league, I've had a Hall of Fame career. No, let's say 333 just so my math is easy. Regardless, I've got a Hall of Fame career, right? What am I making today, Jeremy? $20 million a year? At least, yeah. At least $20 million a year. Okay. Now, if I hit 333, What does that mean? Two out of three times that I got up to do my job, what did I do or not do? You got out. You failed. I failed, didn't I? How many other professions do you know where if we failed 66% of the time, we would get paid $20 million a year (laughs) or even keep our job? Yep. Right? That's why I say it's a fancy. And here's the last piece of the puzzle. And we pay these people $20 million a year. And we can't pay elementary school teachers enough money to live on. (laughs) You see, our priorities are a little out of whack in in our country. I agree with you 100%. (laughs) The only spin I would throw at that at all is I would put almost any entertainment, anything that's entertainment per se in the same category, you know, as a professional sport. If you look at it as entertainment, no doubt, any of it, it's all entertainment. And so, we are a little bit out of whack is, I mean, the, the education system, the school system, and the people that protect us the most. Yeah, the police, exactly. Right? The police, yeah. I mean, our, our military, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the people yeah. that are actually on the front lines. It's yeah. it's a little, it is definitely skewed in, in that direction. I understand that. And I'm, and yeah, I mean, and I will tell you this, which is really most of the guys that I w- was around, most of the guys that I talked to, nobody's sitting around going, yeah, you should. It's not that they want more. When somebody holds out in a baseball or football or spe- whatever, and they're saying, right. oh, this guy's holding out. And yeah. people get very offended by that. They're like, oh, yeah, the teacher only makes 40, 50, 60 grand and you're holding out. Again, it's not equivalent in the sense of why they're holding out. The difference is, is there's so much money going around that industry. And again, they're just fighting for what's right to them. But as a country, are we skewed? Yeah. Yeah. Could could we take some of those funds and funnel it into the system and the school system? Can we change the school system so that it's no longer about getting a grade, but it's actually about learning? Learning. That's another thing that we, that we have a really big issue. I have an issue with is that we teach in our kids at a very young age, the wrong things. 
We're yeah. teaching them that the grade is the important part. We're rewarding. Yeah. What are we learning? Because I'm going to tell you right now, yeah. success isn't about hard work. Does it take some? Yes. Yeah. But success is about you willing to learn. If you're willing to learn, success is inevitable because you will be able to acquire those skills. You'll be able to acquire that knowledge. Yeah. And see, yeah. if it's just a grade, it's the same thing with health. How many people stand on a scale to dictate if they're healthy or not? No, yeah. That number has no bearing. And now we're going after a number. We're not going after health. And so we do right. things actually to hurt ourselves, right? Yeah. I'm with yeah. your daughter. I hate yeah. the word diet. I, yeah. They should get rid of it because there's no yeah. such thing. You can't just eat a certain way for the next six or eight weeks, jump on a scale and see a number and go, okay. And then what? Go back to your shitty lifestyle? Again, it's reframing. It's, it's emotional. It goes back to emotional intelligence. It's the self-awareness. It's the self-regulation. It's innovating. It's being able to create ourselves. It's all of that. And yet, why are we not teaching that in the beginning? I agree with you completely. Emotional intelligence should be, in my opinion, the foundation of all elementary school work, right? And then we'd save ourselves a lot of time and money in the future. By the way, I'm a big Kirk Flood fan. (laughs) Most people listening are going to go, I don't even know what that means. That's exactly right. But you do. And you know the path he he sacrificed to so everybody else could come after him. And and look, to be fair, I want to make sure if there are any athletes out there listening or entertainers, I know how hard you work. I know the sacrifices you make. But so do the people in the military. So do the people in public education. So do the people in our police forces today. Listen, it's a special field. I love the fact that people are there to get that success and to take care of their families the way they are. I just want us to realize that there, as you mentioned, Jeremy, there's so much more we could be doing as a country. And I hope we all come together and do that before long. It's a skill set. Yeah. There's only so many people that can hit a 95 mile an hour fastball. So right. We all get it. And yeah. heck, if there's that much money in the game, pay them. I pay mean, them. pay them all 20, 30, 40 million. I don't care. Like you get yeah. what you deserve. I yeah. believe that. But I'm with you on the fact that the country is a little bit skewed and, and the system is broken. But what we're talking about is, okay, just like you said, You and I could talk about this and I mean, we're on the same belief system and we could probably come up with ways to fix it, but no one's going to listen, right? right. (laughs) So so rather than us waste our energy on what a guy gets paid or what they don't get paid and a teacher and all these things, what we can do is individually, I can work on me, be the best version of me, be more empathetic, be more self-aware, help others. The things that have been given to me, the thoughts, the sayings, the things you and I can get together and have a conversation and say, okay, listen, the only way I can help anyone is by me being the best version of me first, right? right. I'm going to read, there's an affirmation that hits me really hard. And it says, the best gift I can give to others is to fulfill my potential so that I can show them how to fulfill theirs. That's great. If we do us first, then we can get to the next thing. Then we can leave that effect, right? Yeah. And it's being kind. It's being giving grace. It's treating everybody with humanity. Everybody. It's not judging people by the color of their skin or by their accomplishment. It's by their kindness. That's what truly makes a person kindness and love, ultimately. Yeah. It really is. All right, I got one question, and then I got to call it a day. So you've been watching the baseball situation with the sticky stuff on the ball. <laughs> Okay, Mm -hmm. so we're not letting the players that use steroids into the Hall of Fame. 
what about these pitchers that have used the sticky stuff to create these incredible statistics? We think, right? I don't want to come to a conclusion because I don't know enough about it. But should that also be a consideration about them getting into the Hall of Fame? Here's what I'm going to say to all of those, to the the steroid era. People have been putting that, been using that stuff on the ball since, I mean, the 50s. Gaylord and Perry, right? I mean, yeah. the, you're, you're, even long before Gaylord. I mean, they, these, yeah. they've been using these things. Everybody's, look at in life, everybody's looking for an advantage. There's no question about it. My take on all of it is this, is if you're going to say this one person or this one thing is truly making the difference, I think you're completely missing. I think people are completely missing the boat, right? There's no reason why Barry Bonds isn't in the Hall of Fame. There's no reason why Roger Clemens isn't in the Hall of Fame. Those guys are the best players in their day. What was happening in those days, the thing before those guys played were amphetamines. They called them greenies. Like all those many, 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 many guys that are in the Hall of Fame today were taking those things like it was going out of style. Today, it's a performance-enhancing drug. But in those days, nobody cared, right? The same thing. Listen, make no mistake about this. Everybody in Major League Baseball, everybody, the owners, the front offices, the GMs, everybody knew what those guys were doing. Make no mistake about it. They all knew what was going on. And they were making the money. Because it just brought more people to the stands. If, right, if, yeah. if there were more home runs, there was more this, yeah. there was more that. Mark there was whatever. Sosa, yeah, so you're penalizing what? Right? Like, heck, let them do it. Let everybody do it. Right? What, what are they yeah. doing now in the United States? They're like, oh, you, you know, smoking weed. You can literally do it in the grocery store almost. Like, yeah. no one cares. Well, that's the thing. You know, if, if one person's going to get an advantage, and if you're not going to stop them, then everybody else is going to do it. Otherwise, they're going to get left behind. That's just not, you know, it comes down to accountability in my book. But you put it in context for me. Thank you very much. <laughs> this has been this has been so much fun. Uh, I, got, I hope we do it again sometime. I can't let you go without this because it's part of the show and people okay. love it. It's called Quick Hitters. I'm just going to give okay. you two words. We're going to go one word first. You go as fast as you want. The first word in Quick Hitters is discipline. How does that affect you? Where do you find it in your life? And what does that word mean to you? Yeah, I find this to be one of the most challenging things in my life, but it comes back to habits. The more habits I have, the less I have to worry about discipline and procrastination. Beautiful. And the last one, we talked a lot about it, but I really want to know how and what does impact mean to you and what do you want to leave? Impact, when I think of impact first, I think about my daughter. One, a lesson I learned early on when I had my daughter, somebody much smarter than I was said, when you make decisions in your life from now on, they have to be in the best interest of your daughter. And if they're not, then you're not making the right choices. And I try to live by that. And so I think that has helped me make the best impact I could on my daughter. With regard to my students, I feel the same way. At a university or a public school, the administration needs to put the students first in their decision-making. Back to our point, right? How we could do things differently. If we did that, we would end up with learning outcomes rather than grade. I think we would. And then the other part of impact is, can we, by talking about emotional intelligence, can we make a positive impact, not just personally, but professionally, right? Because as you pointed out, success in businesses, it's been shown through research that I think it's up to 70% of people's success 
is tied to their emotional intelligence, not their IQ. And so that's the impact I hope both personally, you know, on, on people's personal relationships, professional relationships, professional careers. That's the impact I, I hope people will take away. I think that's exactly the impact that you're leaving. I know that this audience, we're all better for you taking the time to spend with us today, man. So, Stephen, I appreciate you very much. Thank you so much for taking the time out today. Jeremy, that's high praise. I know you, you've seen a lot. I'm very grateful for that. Thank you kindly. Let's keep it, the conversation going and you keep doing what you're doing because it, what you're doing is making a positive impact. So thank you for that. Well, I appreciate that. And just the listeners, all of his, all Stevens handles and how to get a hold of him will be in the show notes. So take a look at that. Give us a rate, give us a review. And until next time, get out there and be the best version of you. Subscribe to Optimal Self wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. For more information on how to be the best version of you, visit OptimalSelf.today and follow at OptimalSelf1 on Facebook, at Optimal underscore Self on Instagram, and subscribe to Optimal Self on YouTube. Thank you for listening.